Good morning, everybody. So happy to be here with you all today. So if you're, if you're new and joining us today for the first time, we have been looking through the book of Acts over probably much since June. Um, and I thought about something today. Um, you know, in, in the Bible, it'll look, you know, our Bibles have headings on them that were, you know, added, added to them. And it will say, like, the Acts of the Apostles. But Acts is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I've thought about this over and over, that every single common denominator is the, the work of the Holy Spirit, which is so exciting. This, um, this book is a breathless book because you think about every single thing that Luke recorded that was told to him that happened. And it's really um, an extraordinary book. It's an extraordinary compilation of stories of how God's people kept. They didn't, ha- they didn't have the script that we have. You know, I thought about that too. They don't have the advantage of looking back to see, okay, God, where are you at work with us in this now? They were just doing it and following the Holy Spirit. It was, it was a lot of like making it up as, as they went along, but it was really because they were following the Holy Spirit. They weren't just doing it on their own. They had someone to follow, and it was the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I get so excited every week thinking about how we get to look back and I appreciated talking one of, with one of you last week of just how do we apply this to real life now? Where is God at work now in our stories, just as he was work in their stories, and we join him in that work? So today we're in the story of Philip, Philip the Evangelist. We're going backwards. I know we've kind of been all over the book of Acts, but this week it is Philip the Evangelist. And a few things um, as we as we begin this morning. First of all, um, Tony, if you can bring up that first slide. I found some, some good old pictures. So we're going to be talking about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, that one, yep. Some beautiful, beautiful um, paintings and all that that kind of display what was, what was going on and what people were imagining what had happened after the fact when they painted. Um, but here are some highlights. First of all, as we've been talking about um, the book of Acts, first of all, the followers of Christ, they preached the word of God wherever they went. First of, the first thing they shared about was Jesus. Secondly, there were physical signs of healing and deliverance that followed where they went. There, we, we've recapped this a few times. We've talked about community. They made sure there was no need among them. And joy followed. The gospel spread like wildfire. And one thing to also be thinking about as you read and, and hear is that joy is a prevalent mark of salvation and forgiveness. Those are some, some themes. So today we join up with Philip in Samaria. So if you got your Bibles um, or follow along the screen, we're in Acts. And we're going to start at chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Philip is one of those people that when I'm in heaven, I, I hope, I mean, there's going to be so many people to meet, but we're going to have all eternity. So I bet it's going to happen. I'm going to get to run into Philip. But Philip was just such a courageous guy, and he had been with Jesus, and he has just a really important part to play in the development of the early church, and he had a heart for other people. I thought about the connection with Amber coming this morning, which is such a treat, because I thought about this. I've known Amber for a really long time, and just to see how Amber started, you know, Amber's journey of starting with YWAM, you know, and going through YWAM and where God has taken you. And I think about, um, I don't think you've had a Philip moment where like God just yoinked you and whoop, and then whoop, you're somewhere else, but you've been obediently following him and you've paid attention. So I think there's some really fun connecting points to our missions moment that we had today. Anyway, chapter eight, four through eight, Philip in Samaria. 
says that those who've been scattered preach the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. Now pause there for a second. And think back to, if you know your Bibles, in, in the book of John, Jesus meets a woman in Samaria. Remember the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus asks her for water, and they have this like back to, you know, back and forth conversation. She's like, why are you talking to me? First of all, I'm a woman. Second of all, I'm a Samaritan. But then remember, if you know this story, Jesus told her, like, you've had lots of husbands, lady, and, and all these things about her, and she was just amazed. And then she goes back, and she tells everybody, I've met the Messiah. And then she brings everybody to meet him, and, and everybody's lives are changed, encountering Jesus. So this is important to think about, that Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. He got to tell the rest of the story about Jesus. And I bet it was people that had heard about him because of this woman. And so that's that cool connection point that they, he got to say, hey, remember that guy that, that came and he told this lady about all of her life and then you met him and, and you listened to him for several days. Well, this is what happened to him. And he got to say, this is who the Messiah is. And you already got to meet him. So it says, when the crowds heard Philip and saw all the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And we're going to skip ahead to um, verse 26. We're going to skip over um, the story about Simon and this story, and we're going to go to 26. So this is where we pick up with, with Philip. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, this was, this was a major highway. It's really interesting because um, the commentary points out that this was about noon. It would have been really hot. It probably didn't make any sense because Philip had been in Samaria. He had a, a thriving ministry happening. Obviously, God was using him. But in verse 27, it just says, So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he's sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, if you pause for a second here. How many of you have been like walking along downtown Minneapolis and God has told you, go up to that car, stand near it? Anybody? Yeah, I was going to say, if I see a hand up, we got to talk later. So this is kind of one of those ones where I'm like, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable, Lord. I don't know if I'd want to do that. But Philip does. He runs up to the chariot. He hears the man reading out loud Isaiah the prophet, which is very common back then. They had scrolls. They didn't have, like, the punctuation and the reading, so they just read, read, read. And Philip just says to him, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? So he says, come on up here. So he invites Philip to come up in his carriage and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. It was from Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So he pauses, and the eunuch says to Philip, tell me, please. Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? 
and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So this is some really important things to think about. First of all, um, we're in the slide of this fun little picture. Um, this reminded me of a Sunday school picture I had like when I was a kid. Philip was a follower of Jesus. He had been with Jesus. He showed his love. He lived radically in a culture that was hostile to them and told about who he is, Jesus' love, his forgiveness through the cross and his resurrection, and that he would return. He shared a message that was unlike any other that had ever been seen or heard. He took time to explain about Jesus. God worked in him and through him. He went where God led him, and he noticed people. So some things that, that um, as we pause there, that to think about, Christianity had no bounds at this point. Something really important that had happened in verse, um, at, at the chapter, beginning of chapter 8. This is important, too. We had talked about Stephen several weeks ago. But it's important to note that at the top of chapter 8, it says, On that day, after, after Stephen was killed by Saul, there was a great persecution that broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So that's why we know where Philip ended up. Godly men buried Stephen. They mourned for him. And then we have Saul beginning to destroy the church and putting people in prison. So we come to this story and we think about how there was no bounds because, because of a persecution, Christians were dispersed, which I think is an important point to note, that it wasn't their choice, it wasn't their option, their first option, like, yeah, I'm going to go get kicked out of my, my community, have to go live somewhere else, which makes us pause and think about the refugees that are coming to all places of the world right now. What's happening to them isn't their choice. It's not their first option. I thought about, like, us right now. I would not want to be able to have to leave my home you know, you, we just have to stop and think about that. And this causes me to pause and wonder about our own circumstances currently. You know, I feel like we've had kind of a scattering and dispersion of sorts with what's happened through COVID. You know, we had a scattering of the church in a lot of ways. We were meeting through Zoom, through Facebook, through YouTube, all that. And we weren't here in the ways that normally we're gathered. I think there's a lot of people who are like, what happened to them? I, I, I haven't seen a lot of people in a long time. And it makes me think about our, our circumstances and what do we do and where do we fix our attention when things in life do not go as planned. We go back to the early followers of Jesus, known as followers of the way, and we know that they were completely dependent on the Holy Spirit, which gives me so much courage and excitement to think that we right here are just as dependent on the Holy Spirit as they were then. So that makes me think of how we, we expand our landscape, and we notice and adjust following God's lead and his plans, regardless of what is happening in this world, our circumstances, all that. That's the critical part of the story. Our circumstances are really God's plans, and we just have to pay attention and follow him. This requires maturity and security. This comes through time and practice as we trust God in the big ways and the small ways. It says here in scripture that Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this passage, he tells the eunuch the good news about Jesus. That made me think about in Luke, and I think I'd mentioned this um, probably the first week that I, uh, I started here, was in Luke chapter 24, we have these like fun little tidbits of what Jesus was doing after the resurrection. And in Luke chapter 24, verses 26 through 27, it says that Jesus 
He talked to them. He said, this is how the Messiah is going to suffer and enter glory. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them all that was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Obviously, Jesus poured into his followers and he, he explained what was, what was happening and how they could connect the Old Testament to what was happening currently for them. And then in verse 45, it says that Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So they probably thought a second, oh yeah, he said it was going to begin here, but it's supposed to go out. So maybe there was some comfort knowing, okay, we're kicked out of Jerusalem right now. We're, we're not where we thought we were going to be, but Jesus told us we were going to leave and go and tell. That's really exciting. One thing I thought about was, was that Christ is a salvific key to the Old Testament. He is, he is the making sense of the Old Testament to the new and to everything in between. Philip might have simply expounded on Isaiah 53 because Jesus had told them what he knew, that Jesus fulfilled everything, that his life and death wasn't just a pointless end to a really good life, but that there was meaning to it and that he was the one that they had been waiting for. He shows and tells the Ethiopian that Jesus, the righteous sufferer, sufferer, was crucified. He rose again. He won victory over sin, death, and the devil. And now they, they can have forgiveness and, repent, and can repent and have a new life. I love that when the carriage arrives at some water, the eunuch just says, there's water. What's stopping me from being baptized? One of Luke's great concerns that he talks about over and over, if you go back and maybe read Luke um, over this next maybe month, you'll notice that the obstacles of age, religious tradition, old, being old or young, race or ethnicity, physical condition, must not keep people from hearing applying themselves to the gospel of salvation. And the eunuch is baptized right there and then as Philip is with him in the water. We don't know if it's by immersion, was he dunked, did he sprinkle, that, that doesn't matter. Some people get caught up on all that stuff. But the theological significance is that there was cleansing from sin and incorporation into fellowship, into identity of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, yoink, Philip is gone. The eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. I bet, I bet that eunuch was like, where did he go? I mean, this reminds me of Elijah. He, he was just taken up by God. And for Luke and us, and you think about this story, joy was the manifestation of a person's salvation, a whole new way of seeing and living life after the Holy Spirit is given to us and we realize that new way of life. And the conversion of the Ethiopian is really important because it demonstrates the inclusiveness of the Gospels, that there was no obstacle, um, there was no geographical obstacle that was going to stop people from hearing about Christ. Made me think about our neighbors. We live in, in Oatana and we've got these wonderful neighbors and dang it, they're selling their house, but they're great neighbors, just a few houses down in there from Ethiopia and they are, they love Jesus. I've gotten to have tea with Olima um, I, I'm, I haven't asked her where they're moving yet, but I thought about this, that they are evidence of the work of Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. The, the Ethiopian Christian church thrives, and think about how that church has, that candle has never gone out, that light has never gone out of the fire of the people in Ethiopia who follow Christ, and, and I thought about them, like, and there's evidence right next door to us of, of that work, and Philip's attentiveness to the Holy Spirit, and the obedience to go and notice. So I've thought about this. The, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit gives us a new way of noticing, a new attentiveness. If, if you know Christ and you've asked Jesus to, to forgive you and, and you start following him, he gives you a new way of looking at things. He gives you a new way of looking at people. 
He gives you a new way of looking at your circumstances, and, and we see it through, through his lens in a different way. Um, Tony, can you go to the picture of the upside-down squirrel? I love squirrels. I know some people may not share that love, but they're so fun. They, they run around. They're social. They chase things. They're good, they're good food storage people. They bury things and look for it later. They're awesome. But I thought about like the squirrel. He's hanging upside down. He's looking things. But how can we, I was thinking about, be more attentive and noticing like Philip, where we're paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And I, I've thought about what needs to change in all of us so that we can pay attention and notice more and really look at the world and people through the, the eyes of the Lord. Um, about a year ago, I was going to fact check with my husband, but there was a terrible accident that happened. Um, his con- the country club that my husband manages is right off of 35W in, in Oatana. And I feel like it was like a year ago around. But this tragic accident, this, um, this woman fell asleep at the wheel, and they've got, they've got security cameras all over. And, and he got an early morning wake-up call, um, I think it was on a Sunday morning, to, to go. And um, it was, you know, fire department called, and there was a car that had crashed into the side of one of their buildings. And, and it was just heartbreaking because this, you could see on the cameras, like Dan said, that you just see all this on these headlights and then veering down and then smash. And, and, then, and then nobody saw her. And you got thought about how her life could have been saved if somebody had, if there had only been, you know, it's like the, how things happen. If someone had only been coming this way or behind her, someone would have seen her. And then it was hours and she ended up dying. And I, I thought about this of like in life, how God is, is given us this power to notice and pay attention. And if we are just maybe asking the Lord to show us people with his eyes, what we can see and what we can attend to if we pay attention and if we maybe have that posture of like, Lord, show me today who you want me to notice and pay attention to. Um, I'm a therapist um, part of the week, pastor and therapist. And one thing that we do with a lot of people is, is practicing mindfulness with our five senses. You think how God has given us all five senses to be aware of. And it's a really good way of, of grounding and just um, reminding like, I am okay. I am here. I am present because I have everything around me. So one thing I was going to encourage you with is, is this, as we think about how we, how we be mindful of the Lord and his presence all around us. God has given us, you know, four fingers and a thumb. I just had an argument with somebody. She's like, no, it's three fingers, a pinky, and a thumb. And I'm like, okay, well, you have five appendages, ten if you add them all up. <laughs> but think about this. If you look at your five, your five appendages this week, call it what you will, what are five things that you will see this week? asking God to see things the way he sees them. What are four things that you can feel this week? Be, being attentive to how God is going to connect your feelings to the feelings of another. Three things that you can hear. Pay attention. Last week, we were eating dinner on our deck, and there's a group home just around the corner from our house, and we heard crying, and we kind of like peeked over, and, and one of the residents in this group home had come running out, and, and her... Um, her worker was following with her and she was just crying and, and so our family stopped and we just prayed for her. We just prayed for her and the worker and just for peace. So pay attention even what you hear around you. Two things you smell. Well, there's smelly things all around us but just remind that God has given you a nose. Sometimes our nose can bring us to places that, that might be God-ordained and tasting and, and one thing that to be reminded of, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are all who find refuge in him. Even as you taste, be reminded of praying for people who don't have food and, and be attentive this week of how God might use food to help you connect with another person and love on them.
So the next slide is asking Jesus to help me be attentive to him. As we think about this, the title of the sermon this week is Transformed Attention. Just some things to consider. How have you seen the Lord at work in your life lately? Ask yourself, how have I felt his closeness and nearness? I just quoted Psalm 37, for taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are all who take refuge in him. This week, if you drink your first cup of coffee or I think about Ethan with his love of tea or cold water in the morning, be reminded of the Lord's presence and how sweet it is to be his child this week. Let your attention be drawn back to that you belong to God and he sees you. When you smell fresh cut green grass or smell the cool crisp air that smelled a little fallish this morning, breathe it in. Breathe out a prayer of thanksgiving to your heavenly Father. I was thinking about what we can do this week. So it's four B's this week. Four B's. First of all, and think about our example with Philip. Begin your day with expectancy. And here's a prayer. Lord, I'm certain I will encounter someone today that needs to hear about you. I'm certain your spirit will guide my feet, my car, my meetings, and order my day so I will meet those you want me to meet. Ask, be specific. Say, Lord, help me to look for someone to encourage today. Let my words be edifying and encouraging. Seek the good of your neighbors, your school, workplace, and community. Watch for ways you can represent the Lord Jesus by how you speak, what you do, and the opportunities he will send your way. I referenced um, Jeremiah 29. The, the, Israel, is, the people of Israel, they, they've been in and out of their land so much. And in the place of Jeremiah 29, they've been kicked out of their land, sent into exile. But God tells Jeremiah, tells people, plant, grow, establish, be a blessing. Just because we have COVID right now doesn't mean that God is going to stop anything that he can do. And he's going to use us. Second B, be willing. The early followers of Jesus were dispersed and separated, remember, due to persecution, and this did not stop them. So right now, as we consider our current situation and challenges, consider them in a different way. In therapy, we say reframe your thoughts. But consider them as an opportunity from God to show and tell differently. You know, use what you have. We have so much. What can we do? What do we have? Who's in your life right now? Again, I said reframe the way it's always been. It's, I think we even can't go into like our new normal. I think we just have to like go into how is God shaping our world and how do we just follow him and ask him to see life through his perspective. And I think this is the, the, the bigger, like this is where I point at myself. Ask myself, am I willing to share? Am I willing to do this? And if not, you need to talk to the Lord about that one. And he needs to, like, you know, reorient your thoughts and maybe your, what's stopping you? What's in the way? What's the barrier saying? How can I reach out in the small way that God is going to give me? How do I use the gifts that he's given me? You know, we're not all called to be, you know, sidewalk preachers or, you know, I think God has given you all a gift to serve and to show and, and love people. Use what you have. Be you. Do you. Last one, be bold. Be bold, be strong. The Lord, your God, is with you. Do not be afraid. That was a song that we learned um, when I was in school. I'm not going to sing it to you because I don't sing good. But we had this song that we always sing at camp, and, and I, I, I hum it to myself even now when I need some courage to be reminded God will give you boldness. God will be your strength. He is with you. Do not be afraid. I want to encourage you, church, this morning that the Holy Spirit is the one who fills us with courage. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Be like, okay, Lord, I'm going to drum up some courage. No, he will give it to you if you ask him. The Holy Spirit will give you obedience. If you don't feel like you can do it, he will help you.
And the Holy Spirit is the one who changes hearts and minds for Jesus Christ. It's not on us, and it's not on him. And I feel excited. I actually really feel expectant of next week what we are going to report back next week when we see each other by being blessed by what God does and how he's going to show up. Um, I feel excited that we get to end our service today um, around the, the Lord's table, around communion this week thinking about how God has brought us together to be his body, to be his people together, and to be reminded that Christ is with us throughout this world. It's not just um, bound by this place, but it is, he is everywhere, and he is um, uniting his people. So this is how we are going to um, continue our services around the table. So a couple things about how we do communion at New City. First of all, we have open communion. means if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you've received his forgiveness, and you seek to follow him, you are welcome at this table. Children are welcome through their parents' discernment and discretion. Um, if they want a blessing, we can bless them. Otherwise, if they want to come up, they are more than welcome. Um, we have these, um, we have our drive through cups. That's what I call them. I am going to have a party the day we get Hawaiian bread back or my gluten-free bread that I can eat. But this is what we have right now. We're going to make the best of it, yes? Um, so if you haven't um, navigated these dealy bobs, there's a little top. You, I'll demonstrate. You pull it back. You get your wafer that is also gluten-free. It's a rice cracker. Look at this. This is like how-to communion with Pastor Carrie. So you get your wafer. And then um, I encourage you to do the wafer part first because if you do this part, you're going to get juice on you. Um, and then you open, open it up. Voila. A um, couple things, too. We are going to take the, the wafer and the juice together at the very end, so just keep them with you. Um, when you come back to your seat, we're going to um, dismiss up or invite up from hmm, right side first. I don't know my left and my right, by the way. I write with both hands. I have this, like, weird problem. Um, so my left, your right comes up first. Next. Um, and then sit down and hold it, and then we will give instructions at the very end um, as we start. So friends, it is our sacred privilege to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. All that humbly put their trust in Christ and desire his help that they may lead a holy life. All that are truly sorry for their sins and will be delivered from them. All that walk in love with their neighbors and intend to live a new life following the commandment of God and walking from henceforth in his holy ways, you are invited to draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Many will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust in him to share the feast which he has prepared. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took bread, he blessed it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. This morning, come to this sacred table not because you must be buzzed, but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of his mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek his presence and pray for his spirit. I'm going to invite Chris to come up with me and lead us in um, confession, prayer of confession, which will be on the screen, and he will direct you in.